the Excelsior Pattern. Hey everyone, welcome back to the next episode. Today we have with us Mr. Anthony. So Anthony, please introduce yourself for the sake of the audience and please tell us how you reached where you have and how did you begin your journey? Uh, yeah, sure. So hey everyone, I'm Anthony. It's great to meet you, see you. Um, I began uh, my journey, I'm a designer, I'm currently designing at Amazon Music. I uh, just started there last month. Um, and my, my journey in design began um, with the desire for me to create games. So uh, I had a board game uh, company that I founded and created myself with my wife. Um, we made board games and sold them through Kickstarter and then from there sold them to other companies. Um, after that, uh, I went to Nickelodeon to work on um, something called Play Along Video, which is like the call and response shows like Blue's Clues, if you're familiar with those, where like the TV shouts at you and you shout back, <laughs> that type of experience, uh, but on your phone. So it's interactive. You lean in as a kid and you play around. Uh, that really got my, my um, excitement going for design um, and for user experience design. So I went to General Assembly to learn more about the tools and put some names to the processes I was already using. And from there, I bounced around between uh, Kaplan Education Company, um, Food Network, which uh, I got to do some live streaming uh, content uh, with them, you know, like cooking alongside chefs. And then uh, Vimeo uh, was where I was most recently working on a live streaming um, SaaS platform. So my, my start into design really started with like that games and the desire to make games. And then from there, I extended that to digital games and then digital experiences. And I'm at Amazon now and loving it. Yeah, that, that's quite a journey you've had. And honestly, like I think most designers in general, they start from the gaming aspect and then they, you know, start pivoting into other areas of design. So would you say, like, say, for example, someone is, you know, trying to get into product design, for example, how would mm -hmm. you say they should go about, like, they don't know anything at all. Like, would you say it's mandatory to know graphic design first so that, you know, learning Figma, Adobe XT or any, any of those other softwares is quite simple, or would you say it doesn't matter? Yeah. Um, so I've seen like, uh, the path to design a lot of different ways. So graphic design is probably like one of the more common ones that I've, that I've known of, like you're a visual designer, um, and you want to like learn more about experiential design and you move into that. I've also seen people come from backgrounds that have nothing to do with design. You know, when I went to General Assembly, um, we had bartenders, <laughs> we had yoga instructors, we had opera singers, like <laughs> all over, all over the place to, to get into design. Um, and each of those um, people that I'm, I'm talking about right now are actually in the industry quite deeply. So um, I would say uh, you can start from anywhere. T to get your start, it is really helpful to go to some sort of um, accelerator program or to learn from someone else uh, you know and that's kind of like in anything in life having a mentor they've done the work for you already and they're there to share it with you um, so getting a mentor slash learning from these programs that are designed to, to teach um, if you don't want to go to university for whatever reason uh, is a great way to start even within your organization if you are employed already um, you can find opportunities to pivot uh, I know a few people who like got into an organization. Uh, I was actually speaking to someone uh, the other day um, at, at Amazon. You know, you, there's a program in Amazon where you go from like working in the warehouse, for example, um, or in some sort of facilities all the way through to um, joining, uh, you know, whatever educational program you want and making your transition. So uh, there are a lot of ways to get in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think for most of the people from my network, they went the traditional route. Get it going from visual design and interaction design to product design. So, you know, switching to uh, user experience, that is a very crucial aspect of mm -hmm. any user journey or any product in general. So why do you think user experience is so important and how does it, you know, gel with emotional experience? Like I was listening to, uh, you know, 
the podcast mm-hmm. of Joe Rogan where he had Mark Zuckerberg on. And Mark Zuckerberg said, if you know, I don't want to misquote him. So he said, like, as a product designer, a big part of what you're designing is the emotional experience that people have using it. I mean, I, I, I never thought of it that way. But how do you think, like, you know, why does emotional experience matter so much? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, for for emotional experiences, uh, there's a lot of homogeneity in some products um, and designing like a good user experience, like makes people want to come back to that. So like, just take an example of, um, I don't know, maybe like your favorite word processing software. And I won't necessarily name any because people have different ones. Like, why do you go to that one? You know, you could write um, in a notepad, you could write on your like physical notepad, you could write uh, in the cloud, you have like a lot of opportunities there to, to write. And that's something that a lot of people do. Or your favorite email client, like, why do you go there? And the, the probability is that it's a good user experience. Like you have this homogenous thing where it's like writing something down. Um, but because people have put thought and care and attention into how you do that um, and care about the emotional experience that that elicits um, in this particular example, like ease of use, um, you go there and you keep going there. Um, and as a result, it's, it's really important. Um, you know, you see this in, in a lot of places where um, you're trying to make someone's life easier or more enjoyable. Uh, and it's really important to be mindful of that. Yeah. And honestly, like I've been thinking about a few products who's, you know, that, that provide great services, but they just don't have, you know, uh, a good website to showcase. So like that itself prompts users to, eh, services are good, but the website, I don't, I'm not getting that kind of vibe which I want that'll match with the product. So why do you think that is so important? Like, why do people think like, oh, I need this to be this way? Like Apple products, for example, lovely UI and a great user experience overall. Why do you think that is so difficult for say startups to match? Uh, It takes a lot of time and investment to get right. Um, There's a lot of research that goes into that. You know, like you talk about a great user experience, like how do you know what that experience is? Well, you got to have users experience it. And to, to do that research and to get that right, um, it, it takes a lot of un- investment and that investment isn't always available um, for, for people to do, or sometimes they it is available, but they don't prioritize it. And especially for a startup with such limited resources and people wearing a lot of different hats, um, do you have the time to do that research and get that right? Uh, probably not as much as someone who, or some organization that has hundreds of researchers that are investigating similar problems. Yeah, I guess that is the only, like, the investment part is the only limitation, which I'll say, which is there. But honestly, like, I've started learning Figma, and I'm loving it. Like, I've been using yeah. Photoshop for over, like, four years, and I still don't know all the features that are there. But in Figma, I learned everything in, like, four to five days. But uh, besides Figma and Adobe XD, are there any other softwares in general which you'd recommend, uh, you know, an novitiate like me to start to experience and learn more about product design? Yeah, I think um, if you only had one tool, uh, as of today, I think, you know, Figma is that tool. Like you go and it does a lot. It does your prototyping. It does your wireframing. You can use FigJam to do brainstorming. You can also use Figma if you want to. Um, So there's a lot of stuff that that does. If you're looking for something a little more specialized or specific, um, there are some tools that uh, can really um, accelerate or or facilitate things for you. So Figma doesn't handle motion, right? Like we can't do video in there yet. It handles prototyping motion um, and animation. But if you want something a little more specific there, uh, you're gonna have to go somewhere else. Um, you know, maybe you, if you want to handle video, you go to Framer um, or something like that, or Principle. Um, if you want to do like file organization and file management, um, uh, Notion's like a really good one for that. If you're trying to like stay organized um, with your your uh, 
stuff there. I'm like a Google Docs kind of person. You know, I love Drive. I love the integrations that has with Gmail and everything else. So that's like kind of my preferred stack, um, but it's complemented by Figma. One tool that might not be on people's radars that I really appreciate is something called Whimsical. Uh, it is a tool that allows you to do like really fast like flow charts and, and you can even do some uh, good wireframing. Um, it's, it's similar to like Miro, um, but it doesn't cost what Miro costs. <laughs> it's freer. Um, so it's like a good place to get started. Um, and it's a little less feature heavy, uh, which is why I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I think those are like the tools that, that I would recommend. And also like I've noticed a few people like who are just starting into it, but they don't want to put a lot of time making their own custom website. They use, uh, you know, sites like Webflow, Framer and all those things. But what Absolutely. I notice is like, this is, there are a lot of limitations and constraints with regards to, you know, you have to stick to the template and see to that everything else matches to the template. So, no, and on top of that, hosting isn't exactly cheap, specifically right. for startups. So, like, what route would you think people should take? Like, should they invest their time and make their own custom website with Figma? Or, like, Webflow, like, you can still mm -hmm. work out something in Webflow. What would you recommend? Yeah, there's, like, a ton of no-code tools now that, that really facilitate um, our options. I mean, uh, Webflow is really great. Um, there's a steep learning curve to, to doing that. And if you have a template and you want to like tweak things, it ends up getting really dicey. Um, so I personally use Squarespace for my website needs um, because I'm not in the business of like making websites. I'm in the business of selling my services and doing design. I mean, I'm, I'm a little different because I'm a designer, but uh, if I were a startup and I wanted to sell my startup service, let's say I uh, you know sold cookies, for example, um, and then that's what I wanted to do, then I, you know, I care about having a good website, but I don't care about um, making it myself. Like I would hire someone else to do that or use a no code, code tool to do so. So yeah, it's just kind of like, where do you want to spend your points? You know, like as you only have so many resources. You know, I was going through LinkedIn and I noticed like you write articles on Medium. So what prompted you to do that? Like, or like you know, did someone say like, hey, you, are, you really created this. So you should definitely write out articles. Or was it something you have been wanting to do for a while? I've been wanting to do it for a while. So um, I got started with writing because General Assembly like really recommended that we do that, um, that it was like a good way to, to showcase your expertise. And I was like, sure, okay, I'll just like write some articles. And, and it turned out it was a really good way <laughs> to showcase my expertise. Um, so I started writing more and more and I, it turned out I enjoyed it. Um, so I ended up um, just continually posting on Medium and that led me to other clients who liked my writing. Uh, so I would end up writing more and then I would post more stuff. And it kind of like was, was self-propagating um, from there to the point now where after getting my start writing on Medium, uh, I'm now writing a book. So um, I'm in the middle of, yeah, <laughs> writing a book for um, product design. Um, we're still working out like some of the details there, but um, you know, more to come in like a year. <laughs> Would love to read it then. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, <laughs> I, I want to ask, I've been wanting to ask this question, but uh, okay, I'll just mm -hmm. ask him. Sure. So, <laughs> You're a designer, like, you know, you're a senior product designer at Amazon Music. Like, did you have an intrinsic and inherent, you know, fondness towards music that you went to with Amazon Music or like, you know, you wanted to experience something about Amazon Music in general? I see. So, so is the question like, um, did I seek it out or did it find me? Is, is that kind of the question? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, so I, I wasn't seeking out any new opportunities. I was quite happy at Vimeo. Um, but then, uh, you know, a team reached out and they, we started having a conversation. I'm really passionate about music. You know, I have like my guitar right here. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's uh, something that I enjoy doing. Uh, it's a, you know, post-pandemic hobby of mine. 
Um, so when the opportunity came across for me to work on one of like the largest um, music streaming platforms in the world, you know, I had to say, yes, it just seemed like a really amazing opportunity to do so. And I also was, was while scrolling through LinkedIn, I noticed you were an adjunct faculty of product design at a place. How was that experience? Uh, it's been a lot of fun. You know, um, I was, uh, because of my writing actually on Medium, <laughs> I was contacted by a representative of that program. Uh, his name's Jeffrey. And he reached out and he said, oh, I love your writing. Let's just have a conversation. And it organically became, hey, I'm looking for people who are interested in teaching. Uh, so I've done a lot of teaching in my life. Um, even before my, my product design career, uh, I was a tutor of the SAT, ACT. I used to teach like three-year-olds how to play chess. <laughs> um, we can go into that one if you want to. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was like an alignment of like my academic experience of design and like my uh, professional and personal interest in uh, teaching. So, uh, you know, teach 20, 30 students about making the same transition I did, the same type of uh, content to, to help them achieve their educational goals of like what they want to learn around design. It's awesome. Okay, now I have to ask, three-year-olds <laughs> in chess, how, because yeah. they have an attention span of like three, four seconds. How, how do you manage right. that? Yeah, so um, <laughs> a buddy of mine um, was teaching for this company and he's like, hey, I teach three-year-olds how to play chess. I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, and, uh, you know, uh, essentially the way that the program works is, um, you're right, children don't have a, a large attention span. Um, but something that uh, persists across all ages is the, the ability to captivate someone's attention through telling stories. Stories is really, really powerful tools for learning, for engagement. Um, so uh, a friend of his came up with a program where... Uh, he came up for a story for every piece in chess, every type of piece. There's a story about um, those pieces. So like the kings, for example, one of the kings, he's so scared. He's afraid of everything. And because he's so afraid, he only walks one step at a time. And that's the core of that story. And because you know that story, now you know how to play chess because the king only moves one step at a time. So being able to tell all these stories around that uh, really captivates uh, the children's attention. And you start with like a scaffolding method. You know, you don't put uh, you know, 32 pieces on a board, you, you take one and you put it on the board and explain, this is how this one moves. Then you do the next one and the next one until um, they understand how to play chess. Quite interesting, you know, way to like storytelling. Basically, you yeah. have to explain, explain children. Uh, I've been wanting to ask you a question, like since I've been in the design field for a few years and uh, what do you say, like practice is the key to, you know, being a successful designer? Or would you suggest like, you know, following certain steps? Like, I think typography and, you know, uh, the kind of vectors which are used with regards to any design are quite important. But what happens is like learning the commands and all is pretty simple. But getting the, getting the whole thing right so that it's visually pleasing to the audience is something which many designers struggle with. How yeah. do you say one can learn to strike the balance? Is it only by experience or is there any other way which a person can learn that? I'll say a few things there. First, um, the tools are easy. I, I don't think the tools are particularly, I mean, you said it yourself, like I learned Figma in five days. <laughs> like, um, I, I think you can learn the tools um, and, and that many people can do that. But using the tools, much like a hammer or, you know, a, a wrench or whatever else, a screwdriver, like you need to know how to use those tools and apply them in a way that makes sense for people. Um, that takes a lot of time and that takes practice. Um, I think you can do practice. Um, you can do practice in like a vacuum where you just like design things for yourself. You can do practice with clients or, or real user problems, which I think is the best way to learn. Uh, you can learn from mentors. Uh, there's plenty of mentors that exist and, and services that can help connect you to those. Uh, and they'll help you accelerate your learning. Um, but really like applying learning to real problems, I, I think is one of the best ways 
to retain that knowledge and, and to learn from your experiences. So being able to do that in a, a lower stakes environment um, with guidance of another person to, to course correct is probably the best way uh, to, to learn that. But to navigate the field, I would recommend, um, you know, there's so much to learn. There's typography, there's motion, there's like research. There's so many things. Uh, my recommendation would be to, to start um, shallow and, and sort of, a, I don't know if you're familiar with T-shaped design, but it's, it's the concept that like, uh, designers have like a broad level of experience. If you think of the letter T, a broad level of experience and they specialize in one specific vertical. So they go very horizontal, but then they specialize vertically. Um, start horizontally, you know, see what you like. And then if you like something, you're going to want to do it more and get better at it. And that'll become your T. Quite an interesting approach, the T thing. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, also like at times, like designers face, you know, design block. They don't know what to do. Like they mm -hmm. seldom, you know, uh, take references from Behance, Pinterest, Dribble, all these websites. And like I myself was facing a design block two days back and I was like, okay, maybe I should just replicate this. But mm -hmm. <laughs> there are a few things, you know, replicating, oh, I didn't get the shadow right. I didn't get the angle perfect. It's not, I'm not getting the same effect as, you know, that this particular designer is getting. Now, while having a conversation with my friends, he also is a designer. He was saying like, don't do that. Don't try and replicate. But then what do I do? Like if I face a design block, because then I really don't know what to do, right? It's an, I, mean, I don't know how to explain this, but I really don't know how to experiment when I don't know what I want. That is what I'm trying to So Totally, yeah. Uh, get, go ahead, please continue. <laughs> That's what I Okay. Um, you know, I feel... Like, I'm curious why your friend said don't replicate, uh, because I feel like, um, at least as far as practice is concerned, it is good to, to take UIs that inspire you and try to recreate them to see the decisions that were made there. You know, you look at something like, oh, that's really beautiful. Like, why do I like that? And then you dive into the details of trying to recreate it. And you're like, oh, that's how this person made that. Um, you learn in that way and you learn what you like and what you don't like. Um, and you can apply that to, to other designs. So um, perhaps... Yeah, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but maybe your friend was like, don't copy and don't steal. Like, was that like the intent there? No, he, he, he was saying like, you know, you don't want to get rid of your own originality and, you know, mm. just be someone who just recreates stuff all the time. That is what he was trying to say. I see. Yeah. Um, I think it's okay to, to borrow. Uh, there's a book um, that I really like called steal like an artist. <laughs> and um, the, the way that book works is like uh, the, the, the thesis of that book is like, Hey, you know, get inspired by other people and, and borrow um, that inspiration and, and remix it into your personality in ways that like you want to express. So it's not like, oh, I'm going to take that shadow, but it's like, oh, that shadow is pretty cool. I want shadows too. Like how did this shadow work? And, and you borrow that idea and that concept and apply it to make it your own. That's quite an interesting approach. But I guess like, like you said, it, it'll come only by practice, getting the shadow right. Like there's no, like I think I, I was going through Apple's accessibility subpage and I really like the way they amalgamated shadows and, you know, the agglomer agglomeration of the, all the color tints and the white and the off-white and the different, different hexes which they had employed with the SF Pro display. I mean, initially I was like, okay, I just want my website to be exactly like that. But then I was like, no, that, I mean, that won't be right in a way that, uh, you know, if someone is viewing my website, they'll notice this dude has just ripped off the Apple's website. And uh, honestly, now I've come at a place where I don't know what to do or what should I refer to? Because if I were to borrow someone else's aesthetic, it won't sit well with what I've currently already made. Mm -hmm. So like, what would you suggest? Like, what would be the way to go? 
Yeah, that's why the um, the mixing and combining uh, to, to make your uh, experience your own. You know, I, I've seen a lot of creativity come from disparate experiences being combined together. Um, there, there's like an old adage. I'm definitely going to misquote it, but it's like nothing's new. You know what I mean? Like uh, everything's already been created or decided or whatever. So um, by pulling different things from different places, you end up making your own experience. That's you. I, I guess like if we make it a food metaphor, it's kind of like making a salad, <laughs> you know, like tomatoes exist, lettuce exists, uh, but you got to choose like what ingredients you want to, to make that um, salad and it's your salad. So. Yeah. So like, so that, that's about it from my side. Sagnik, do you have any questions? Yes. I was actually blown away by the uh, teaching a three-year-old chess and I, I wrote it down to tell the story like a, that the king is moving one step. So I actually have two questions. Mm-hmm. One is that as like as being a product manager myself, I've learned that in, in today's world, when you a B2C or like even a B2B, design plays a huge part, the customer experience and the design. And that has become a huge importance, not just building anymore and just giving as a reference. I think in the past you could say like an Oracle was just might not be the most designed best ERP out there. So how what how is your experience in changes? in the design culture, the value now it's given to like a design uh, whenever you're releasing any product or any feature? Hmm. Um, if I could uh, just just um, elaborate a moment for, for my better understanding, it's like, um, how's design evolved over time? Is, is that because, kind of what we're getting from at? Your experience. For, from my experience, I think, um, you know, it's, I, I think it's, a, it's evolved for different people at different times. So there's some people who've been doing this for decades, right? <clears throat> Before it was even called user experience designer, product designer whatever name we come up with uh, 10 years from now. Um, essentially, uh, they're at the forefront, but no one else knew what this thing was or could put words or phrases to it. Um, over time, that, that sphere of influence has grown so that other people are at the same level they are, at least as they were. Uh, but there are still people who don't know <laughs> and it just keeps growing out. So I think what's happening with design um, is, is a lot of people know what it is but there's even more people who have no idea what it is. And that sphere is, is continually growing out. And as it touches other people, uh, they bring their own experiences into that. So we start to see trends and, and things evolve as, as people uh, are brought into the, the concept of design. And I think that's how um, it's evolved over time. It becomes more and more common that it's important, but there's still plenty of people who don't even know what user experience is or what UX that acronym means. So I think uh, as it continues to evolve, we'll get more people to come in and we'll see um, their experiences and as they bring their creativity into um, the field and, and drive that out from there. That makes sense. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, that's fair enough. And my second, my last question is, as it teaching, right? And you said you're very passionate about teaching. Do you feel that has impacted your career, like your professional career in any way? For sure. Um, so, so I think um, my teaching um, for me personally has uh, improved my ability to explain concepts and relate to people and um, understand like when someone's bored, <laughs> when someone's engaged, you know, uh, try to keep a three-year-old entertained <laughs> in front of uh, not a screen um, for, <laughs> for a long time. I, I think that really helped. Um, so it's helped me professionally in the soft skills. I think um, as far as it's where it's led me, um, my teaching is just led to more teaching and more experiences and meeting more people. So by teaching at one place, uh, you know, I get contacted to teach at another place. By teaching at that place, I am able to now write a book because I have experiences to share. Um, I think it just helps unlock my, my career. And, and that's just talking about me. Now, if we extend that to other people, um, it helps build them up and grow. So I had, I had a mentee who um, met me through ADP List. 
and now uh, you know he's working as a as a senior researcher um, at, at FanDuel, and like he's really grown his career um, in a very short amount of time, um, and, and it's been really impressive to see his growth. So that impacts me because I see my impact like extending out um, even even further. And he's like now a friend of mine, and that's really awesome. So uh, I think teaching is a great way to get connected to people, and through that you develop your soft skills. Um, you demonstrate your expertise, which accelerates your career, and you make a few friends along the way. Because uh, the reason I ask, I'm like, I do enjoy teaching myself, mm -hmm. and I feel like you led to empathy to explain yeah. better, to like understand a different set of audience, how I can communicate what I'm trying to say, and and I also have to be up to the mark so I can teach. I have experience. Right. Yeah, for you to share your knowledge, you need to be concrete in that knowledge and you need yes. to like be able to understand it and I, I think that's what um you'll find as a teacher if you want to like yes. teach someone something yeah i agree um yeah. that's all that's all i have awesome so anthony where can people reach out to you i mean i personally i really learned a lot just by having this small conversation and uh where can people reach out to you yeah, there's a couple of places. Um, uh, I have uh, LinkedIn is probably like the best way to, to reach out. You can just send me a message if you're curious. Um, you can uh, you can go to Medium to, to read some of my writing. Uh, hopefully you can read a book eventually. <laughs> we'll, we'll see uh, after I write that. Um, but those are probably like the best places to go. I have a few other social media presences, but I'm not as active there. So. All right, then. It's, it's, I, I personally had a ball. And I'm really looking forward to having you on again. Because sure. honestly, yes. I'm and you know, like, uh, actually, I'll be getting a few more people and would love to have, you know, your would love to listen to what you have to say with those other people. And uh, honestly, thank you a lot. Thank you. Thanks a lot for your time. Really appreciate this. Absolutely. If you ever want to, you know, chat again, uh, I'm around. All right, Anthony. Thanks a lot for your time. Have a nice day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.